Welcome to Know His Love Stories, where we listen to the voice of the Father through His children. Today's story comes to us from Monica. She's originally from Oregon and currently lives in Indiana. She's married to Justin and has a daughter named Cecilia. This is a Know His Love Story. I know this is like not common with a lot of people, but for me, um, I can't really remember a time when I didn't love Jesus. Um, I grew up in a home where both my parents were authentic witnesses um, of real faith. They knew Jesus. They had encountered him. They had given their lives to him. They dedicated each of us, um, myself and my five siblings, to the Lord when we were born. Um, And so they just lived that out and we witnessed that. We witnessed them as witnesses to the faith. Um, But the other thing that they did for us was that they provided stories in our home. Um, They gave us multitudes of of Christian, mostly Protestant, but like audio dramas, um, books, uh, Christian books. They gave us um, our children's Bibles, saint stories. Those are just kind of things that were in our home. And this like phrase really resonates with me that goes, um, if you want someone to know the truth, you tell them. But if you want someone to love the truth, you tell them a story. And this was really true in my life. Like I loved Jesus because I had all of these true um, fictional and true stories in front of me of people living their faith. And it was attractive. And I, I think through those stories, through the scriptures, like I fell in love with Jesus and I can't remember a time like I'm sure there was a moment when I like first fell in love with him, but it was before memory for me. Um, and as a little girl, I very much, um, I loved the stories of the saints, especially the early church martyrs. And I really wanted to be an early church martyr. And I was kind of disappointed to learn that like people weren't being killed for their faith these days, <laughs> or at least, at least uh, as I knew it as a little girl. Um, but I also really looked up to the stories of the saints um, who persevered through trials and like major struggles and suffering and like watching what the Lord did with them. Um, through those things. And I wanted to be a saint. Like I wanted their stories to be my story. I wanted a story like theirs for my own. Um, So almost every, as a a kid, almost every career that I dreamed for myself um, involved the Catholic faith. So in middle school, um, I spent hours plotting the Catholic magazine that I was going to publish for myself. (laughs) and like convert all these souls to this Catholic magazine. And I like, I had details, all the like segments that were going to be in this magazine. Um, And then in high school, I was going to be an apologist. So I was going to work for Catholic Answers and like win souls. (laughs) Um, So actually when I started college, I started as a communications journalism um, major with theology. And then pretty quickly, I realized that actually what I wanted to do is teach um, high school religion. So I, I switched my major to Uh, catechetics and theology. Um, But I didn't actually end up teaching uh, high school. I went right into parish ministry through happenstance after graduating college, and I've been doing parish ministry um, since then. Um, So now to to actually answer the the question um, is that several years ago, I kind of, um, I started to go through this process where doubts started to kind of creep into my faith and to grow. And it happened shortly after I started studying for a master's in pastoral studies. I was doing like one course a semester is really slow, but somehow in the course of those studies, I started to wrestle with questions, mostly centered around God's providence. Um, And I started to have real angst. So I I just started to notice these doubts that um, like God cares for me in the day to day. 
um, doubts that God has any particular intention or plan for my life, um, doubts that he's really active in my day-to-day, um, doubts that he really answers prayers. Um, and these just kind of grew and grew and grew. And they, like I proceeded to go about ministry and, and live my life, but all the while this was like growing in the background. Um, and I started to notice, like, as this grew that I was thinking about God, like the deists, right. So we talk about, like, I think about like the founding fathers of this nation, we talk about them being deists and they see God as like this, um, like clockmaker, right. So he makes the clock and he sets it going, but then he doesn't need to do anything. It's just like going on its own. And God's like over here. And I started to see God that way, that he was like looking down, he had created everything. Um, but that he wasn't like involved in its going about, like he was just kind of on the outside. Um, and as much as I knew in my head, that wasn't true. It's very much how I felt about God. Um, like I still believed the, the big things, like the story of salvation, that God loves everyone, that he desires salvation for all of us, all of that. Um, but at the same time, um, I felt like the most God probably does is give you a little strength for the suffering of life until you die. <laughs> And that um, he's kind of like sitting up there, hoping you'll come to him, but like out there. Um, and I, a couple years ago, <laughs> I was at this conference, a Catholic conference, um, and they were singing that Corey Ashbury song, Reckless Love, maybe you know it, but um, which talks about God's pursuit for every soul. And um, it's something I profess to believe, definitely. Like I, when I would do teachings, I would often talk about like God's desire for every soul using uh, Francis Thompson's poem, The Hound of Heaven, which really speaks to me. Um, And, you know, that poem is just about God is compared to like a hound who's just like relentlessly pursuing the soul of of Francis who writes this poem. Um, And I was always so moved by that story, but I'm sitting there, actually standing there, this conference singing these words um, from this song. There's, there's no shadow you won't light up mountain you won't climb up coming after me there's no wall you won't kick down lie you won't tear down coming after me and I heard myself say in my head that's bull as I'm singing this song and in my head it was more explicit than that (laughs) but it was also like really jarring for me to like recognize consciously that the things that I was saying I didn't really believe were true anymore um and like, I just really felt this sense, like God's not pursuing me because that's never been like, I don't feel like that's ever been my experience of, of God's pursuit. So I feel like this song and all the others like it are lying to me. Um, and so in the midst of like, no, like knowing in my head still that God is good. I was wondering if God was good. And those two things like existed in tension at the same time. And it kind of caused or maybe just coincided with like a real period of depression in my life for a a year or two um, of just like real darkness, a lot of darkness. Um, And the blessing I think through all of that was that I I had heard enough people in my life um, who would say, you need to give your anger back to God. Like I heard enough people talk about that, um, that I knew that that was the right thing to do that like you don't give God just all your good sentiments and all your praise um, and hold the dark thoughts back from him because he knows them anyway and so I think my saving grace in all of that was that um, I continued to like converse with God like not perfectly and not every day and there were like giant gaps in my ability to talk to God but um, 
but it, yeah, it was a lot of like talking through it with God, even while I was doubting, even sometimes his existence, which was like really jarring for me. Cause you know, I work at a church, so <laughs> it can be, it can be hard to like wrestle with that stuff while you're trying to like actively convince people to like deepen their faith or come to faith for the first time. So it's just, it's a strange place to be in. Um, and so there was, then there was this kind of like series of events uh, that happened that kind of brought me a lot of healing. Um, and the first one was that I was reading um, this series of children's books with my daughter. They're called uh, the Wing Feather Saga. Have you heard of these? Um, so it's, they're a series of children's books. There's four of them and they're written by this guy, Andrew Peterson. He's actually a singer songwriter. And then he like wrote these children's books. Um, on top of it. And I, I really, really love him. Hey, he and his story and like who he is as a person speaks to me a lot. But so I was reading these books with my daughter and um, in the third book, there's this scene where the main character, so it centers around these three children and the, the main character in this story, um, they've been like running after, it's a fantasy series. So they're like running away from like the, the evil villains that are taking over the world and everything seems hopeless. And like he and his brother are like running and being pursued and they go in this underground space. And like, then his brother just like runs away and leaves him alone. So he's like in a cave underground all by himself. Um, and he just is so upset and he finds himself just being super angry with the maker, right? So he's just, what? I, he's saying like, I just, I just want to be at peace. Like, I don't want to run anymore. I'm tired of fighting this fight. Like my brother left me and he's just like thinking about how awful his life is and truly like despairing. And then all of a sudden he has this memory come back to him. Um, and he remembers being a young boy and he and his brother sword fighting with sticks. And he is a little boy. He remembers imagining like being the hero of this story where they're fighting off the villains and um, wanting to like, to be a hero and, and fight for the good. And he has this realization. He says, um, maybe this right here is the maker's answer to the prayer in a little boy's heart. And it was like, when I read those words, um, it was like they were written for me because um, when I read that, I just, I remembered like all the prayers I had offered to the Lord as a little girl, um, prayers to like, prayers to have a story, um, prayers. And I, I don't think I would have phrased it like that as a little girl, but like prayers to like participate in the story of God and prayers to struggle. Like I, I wanted to have a story like the saints and they all struggled. They all had really dark things in their lives and I wanted to be like them. And so it was like, the Lord was saying, like, remember, like even my sufferings are, are gifts. Um, and it was just this moment of healing of recognizing like the gift in all of it. And I think it just like simultaneously like broke my heart and healed my heart. Um, so that was one thing. And then, um, this other thing happened just like last year. So, um, in the course of, of the last year, um, we had, well, a couple of different things happen. One, we have a, a really good friend of ours named Father Anthony. He's a priest um, that we knew from Houston. And um, he was, he decided to come up and visit us and up here in Indiana. And my husband made this random connection. I don't know how he knew this, but 
he made this random connection that um, Father Dan, who's the pastor at the parish next door to our house, um, probably would have overlapped in where he studied in Rome with our friend, Father Anthony, who was coming to visit. And he thought like, oh, we should connect them. My husband's kind of a connector. Um, so he, we set up a dinner when Father Anthony was here for Father Dan to come over um, and, and come to dinner. And it was one of the best like communal dinners I've, I've probably ever had in my life. There was just something about it where it felt like the spirit, the Holy Spirit was there and this real sense of like communio and this real sense of connection of like shared heart of the people who sat around our dinner table. And it was just, it was so good. And just like the experience of like communion with other persons can, can be really healing for me. Um, so it was just like one of those things I was grateful for. I, um, I continue to be grateful for it. Um, but then around at the same time, I was having some real struggles, um, at my, the parish that I was working at, just a lot of like turmoil and wrestling with some stuff. Um, and I had this like really strong desire come to me to, to speak to an acquaintance of ours in ministry, um, for advice, which is super uncharacteristic of me because I'm, I'm not someone who seeks advice from people. I'm not someone who reaches out. I don't look for mentors. It's just like not something that comes naturally to me, but for some reason, for once in my life, I had this really strong desire to call this acquaintance and set up a time to talk with her about the problems I was having at my job. Um, and it was a good conversation, but there was like, there was no real solution, just a lot of support that was offered, which was good. Um, so then what happens is shortly after that, um, my position at the parish is eliminated, which is kind of what I thought was might happen. Um, and so, you know, I let this acquaintance know like, oh yeah, so I'm not working there anymore. Um, and then within two days, I got a call from Father Dan and he said, I have a position at the parish I'd like to talk to you about. Um, so I go in and have this conversation with him, which was just really grace. Like it was just really healing from just the turmoil at the parish I left, I was leaving. Um, and so it was just like good in and of itself. But he said, um, I have a communications position at the parish and um, it would kind of be directing, you know, like our, our website and just regular communications. But I really want this position to have an eye on like all of evangelization and how, like as a communications director, how we're communicating the gospel in our parish and out forth from our parish. And I just thought like, that's the dream. Like that's, that's what I've been wanting to do forever. Um, like as far as like outreach, like to be in a position where I could really think about what outreach looks like, um, which has very much been on my heart for a long time. Um, so it's just a dream. So I accept this position. I've been there for several months now. Um, but I was just like, there was something so healing in that moment because I realized um, all the ways that the Lord had prepared me for this job. Like that if, if Father Anthony hadn't decided to come visit on that random weekend and like my husband hadn't remembered this connection. If Father Dan hadn't come to dinner, like I never would have been handed this job. Um, if I hadn't randomly reached out to this acquaintance, um, oh, the part I forgot to mention is she um, went out of her way to like talk to Father Dan as soon as she found out. And so, so he knew, Father Dan knew, and, and that's why he called me. Um, so, and if I hadn't reached out to her, like that never would have happened. But then I started to think about like, the last 10 years of my life or 12 years of my life and just all the series of events that prepared me to do this position. And it was like just all the little things like 
previous parish's website was really bad. So I like taught myself how to like do a website, like, <laughs> which I had never done before. Yeah. You know? So I, I learned how to like do email communications and just a series of things. And I realized like thing after thing that prepared me to be able to accept a job like this. And I just was blown away. And, and like, I had this strong sense, like it, it was like the Lord was communicating in my heart in a really powerful way that he was saying, Monica, like my providence is real and my plan for you is good. And I have been like laying out for you from the beginning, like what I have in mind for you. And it was like, he was, he was reminding me of his goodness and his like loving plan and the little details. (laughs) But then I also just got this really incredibly strong sense that the Lord was saying, like, remember this, like, remember this and hold it in your heart because for the rest of your life, it's not going to be so clear to you, like why the events of your life are unfolding the way that they are. And remember like my goodness and remember my, my providence, um, and my plan of loving kindness. And it was like, I just sat in that for a long time for probably like a month of just like gratitude. And I learned, I learned too, that gratitude itself is a gift, like the experience of gratitude. Um, and it was just one of the most powerful experiences I've ever had in my life. And then on top of it, I had this like, (laughs) this realization that hit me out of the blue one day when I was like, this memory came back to me and me sitting on my bed as a middle school girl with my notebook and pen and like jotting out my ideas for my Catholic magazine. And all of a sudden I remembered, like, I wanted to, I wanted to work in communications. Like I had forgotten, like I had completely forgotten that that was the dream for a long time. Like it, it wasn't in my mind or my memory at all. And then it like came back to me and it was like, the Lord was saying like, you forgot, but I didn't. Um, yeah. So it was just like a really healing, um, time of the Lord, like allowing all of that to unfold so that he could remind me of his providence. I've come to realize in the last couple of years, something that was kind of subconscious for a long time. And it's that like, when I imagine um, God being pleased with me. I don't imagine him pleased with me as a daughter. I imagine him pleased with me for like doing the good things that I want, that I like want to do for him. And that I've always desired, um, for him and for myself, but I don't first imagine that he's pleased with me as a daughter. And I, I've really had to wrestle in the last couple of years to be able to admit that, like, I struggle with that identity. So I mentioned uh, Andrew Peterson, who's just a real hero of mine, this um, singer songwriter. Um, and he has several like talks and interviews and stuff on YouTube. You can look them up if you want, but, um, I, so I've gotten to know like through those a little bit about him and, and his faith and him as a person. And he talks about just a lot of appreciating the good, true and beautiful, like in, in the world and especially like in, in literature and poetry and art which really speaks to me. Um, so he talks about that. And at one point in an interview, he said, um, you know, I really love the good, the true and the beautiful in, in just music that isn't explicitly Christian. And he said, I wish that I could write music that wasn't explicitly Christian, but every time I go to pick up the pen, I can't but help to write about him. And there's something in his saying that, that like speaks to me, um, like in a very profound way. 
um, and like resonates with the experience of my life. But then at the same time, like in another interview, he was talking about, um, for some reason, he was talking about that Brennan Manning quote where he says, like, when you, when you get to heaven, the Lord's going to ask you like one question first, it's going to be, did you believe that I loved you? And so he's talking about this and he says, like, if I were to answer that question, honestly, I would say, um, most days the answer is no. And I think like knowing him as someone who like can't but help to write about the Lord and the same person has held this tension with like, I'm not sure I really believe on most days that God loves me. And I think just gives permission for that reality to like coexist in the same person without it, it meaning that you're like a bad Christian. Um, and there's this line in one of his songs um, that's called, I think, The Darkness Before the Dawn. Um, toward the end, it says, I had a dream that I was waking at the burning edge of dawn, and I could finally believe the king had loved me all along. And so, like, he, he integrates this real pain that he's experienced in his life and this, like, these real doubts into these songs about, like, hope. Um, and I think it does give me a lot of hope because like, I know what's true in my head. And I, like, I've seen the Lord work on my soul to be able to get into a place where I could like receive his love as a daughter without having to do anything for it. Um, and really believe that's true, but I don't think it's, it's right now. And, um, years ago, a friend of ours, <laughs> he was going to tell a story, um, that involved him doing something that was less than Christian. And, um, he started out before he told the story by saying like, keep in mind, I'm a very unfinished Christian. And then proceeded, <laughs> proceeded to tell this funny story. And I've latched onto that, um, because I think it's a funny way to introduce a story where you're less than perfect. Um, but on a deeper level, I think there's something so hopeful in saying like, I'm a very unfinished Christian. And for me, sometimes that means like, I'm not sure how to receive the love of God. Um, yeah, and I think I think there's just a lot of hope in that, um, that the Lord's not done. I've always been very moved by like elements of literature and poetry, um, especially and, and song sometimes too. Um, but sometimes I find that like in connecting with a story or like a, a piece of poetry, that I have this experience, like, um, there's two places in the scriptures where I feel like kind of resonate. One is like at the road to Emmaus, when Jesus breaks up after the resurrection, he breaks open the scriptures, to the two disciples who don't know who he is yet. Um, and then when they realize later that it's Jesus, um, they say, Oh, weren't our hearts burning within us while he opened the scriptures to us. Um, and then there's there's another time at, at Pentecost after Peter's speech, after the Holy Spirit comes um, and he like proclaims the resurrection of Christ. And it says everyone who's listening was um, cut to the heart. And I think both of these two things, like our hearts were burning within us and they were cut to the heart, our experiences um, that I that have resonated in my own life at particular moments. Um, and I think that is the predominant way that the Lord has spoken to me, because it feels like that. It feels like, um, um, a burning or a cut that like, um, I hope Pope Benedict talks about this in this essay wounded by the arrow of beauty, um, where, um, 
where he just kind of talks about how like beauty wounds. And I like, I've had that experience of like, beauty is so beautiful that it like breaks you open and it's almost like a wound, but it grows you. Um, and so, yeah, so like just experiences of like, of beauty that have done that to me. And then, um, uh, the rain, (laughs) I, I, for some reason have always really liked rain. And when it, when it rains, I just always feel moved. Um, and it's like strange. Sometimes my husband will come downstairs and I'm like staring out the window with the lights off (laughs) in the rain. Um, but there's something about the rain that has, is beautiful to me. And it's always kind of spoken to my heart. And every once in a while, um, when it rains, I just feel like the Lord is telling me that he loves me. Freedom from all of your burdens, um, comes from surrendering your heart totally to Jesus. But you have to give to God whatever you have. So if you don't trust him right now, um, you have to give him your desire to trust him. And if you don't even feel a desire to trust him, you have to say to him, like, I know that I should trust you. I know that I should desire to trust you, but I don't. So you have to give me the desire. Um, You have to say to him, um, give me the trust. You have to say to him, like, I'm not able. And you have to admit that, like, I'm not able but you are. So give me your desires and you have to say it over and over again. Um, Mary Healy has this great line in her book on healing where she says, you should ask the Lord for healing until he heals you or until he changes your desires. And I think that's applied to, well, I think healing is most things in our lives with the Lord, but also that just applies to everything. Like you have to ask the Lord for trust until he gives it to you or until he changes your desire, which he won't because he wants you to trust him. But um, like whatever it is you're asking for, if it's like a new job or, um, you know, a, a shift in things at home or whatever, you have to keep asking him until he gives it to you or until he changes your desire. Thank you for listening to Monica's story. I would love to share your story as well. Please connect with us on social media or by clicking on the join us link at knowhis.love.